Welcome back to Humbled Highs, episode 11, Divine Intervention Chronicles is what I'm calling this one. In this episode, I'm going to go through two miracles that happened to me, two crazy stories that happened to me that I'd like to share with you. Hopefully it increases your faith and your trust in God and know that God is real. See, I've seen God move in my life before I gave my life to him fully and especially after. And these crazy things that have happened to me, I can look back in hindsight now and say, undoubtedly, that was God. Now, at the time, with one of these stories, nah, I just thought it was chance. But I look at my life now and I say, absolutely, that was God. I'll explain later on what a miracle is and why God does those things. So this first story, and I remember the date because Halloween doesn't happen very often on a Friday. In fact, I thought I knew the date, but then I just did a simple search and boom, yes. Friday, October 31st, 2008. This first story was Halloween night, Friday night. It was going to be a big bonfire party. And let me park the car there. Is it bonfire or bondfire? Like, because I think it should be bond, like B-O-N-D. Like, we're all sitting around bonding, talking about it. But no, it's B-O-N, bonfire. I don't think that's right, but whatever. I call it bonfire. But it sounds like I'm saying B-O-N. But anyway, so me and my best friend from childhood, Cameron... Shout out to Cameron, Big Cameron. What's up, dog? We're starting this big bonfire party and in Gallatin, right? Not like Gallatin's some huge thing, but we we called up some folks and it was uh it was on some some land of this guy that my mom was dating. And he he was like a junk collector and he, you know, had this huge brush fire about the size of a, a bus, not as tall, like a school bus, but as long as a school bus. And um, we thought this would be perfect. Plenty of parking out there. And we had it all set up. You know, we bought alcohol. We had mixed drinks. We had cups, you know, and we were going to, you know, tell everybody dress up. And, you know, it wasn't one of those super cold Halloweens uh, around here. You never know. Sometimes it's 70 degrees. Sometimes it's snowing in Tennessee. But this was a, a warmer Halloween as I remember it. So Cameron and I, we're, we're all set up there. And the guy my mom was dating, he was into boats and stuff. And so he had all these uh, gasoline tanks that you use in boats. They're a little bit different shape than a gas tank, but they hold like you know, 10 gallons of gas or something like that. So we're dousing this, uh, this big old brush fire with the gasoline that's kind of left over in these gas tanks. And, um, you know, we're calling up people saying we're about to light the fire, you know, come on over. I was dating this girl at the time and she was set to come over first and, um, it was all lined up, right? It wasn't, you know, my mom's boyfriend wasn't there. It was all set up for a perfect, you know, young 20 somethings, 
out there partying our butts off, getting drunk. You know how it goes sometimes, Halloween. Anyway, uh, we're dousing this, uh, this big brush fire with the gasoline. Now, I had uh, no drinking at this time. We're, we're clear-headed. And me and Cameron, we're all hyped. Like, this is going to be awesome. When this thing lights up, everybody's going to come. And uh, so, you know, I, I lit the match and the flame starts, but just, we're expecting the whole thing to just go whoosh and, and take off, but it didn't really go like that. Uh, just one side started to flame up, but not that big. Oh, we didn't have like a ton of gas. You know, we were just using what was, what was left over. And, um, I had this idea, like I'm, I'm gonna grab the rest of the gas. There was one gas tank, this, this, you know, boat gas tank left over. And I'm on the other side of this brush pile. Imagine, you know, the back side of the bus is on fire, you know, and I'm up at the front. So I feel like I'm pretty far away. So I got this gas tank above my head and I'm trying to just shake out the rest of it above my head onto the brush pile. You know, I'm standing close to it, obviously. All of a sudden it does that. It whoosh takes off. And the whole brush pile just basically like explodes into flames. And I'm holding this gas tank above my head. And this feeling comes over me like you would turn, like you ever open one of them doors to a building and then the air conditioner from top comes down and blows on you. And you're like, ah, oh, that feels so good. Same feeling. It was crazy. You think you get hit by flames, it's going to be like, ah, but no, it was like a cold rush. And it, and it went over my face and all the way up my arms and to my hands. And the gas tank, boom, blow up. And uh, Cameron, I, you know, he's one of the most calmest, cool, comes from a Harley Davidson family. You know, dad's name is Killer. Just a cool cat. And he screamed. I mean, not like a regular scream, but like one of them uh, high-pitched screams from a girl at a, at a whorehouse. And, uh, I knew it was, it, I, I was in more trouble than what I thought. I put my hands on my face and I could feel like it melting. And I, I moved my hands back and I looked in the palms of my hands and it was the skin from my face. And I looked at him and I said, Oh crap, I burned my face off. Now, you know, I said a little bit more than that, but he was freaking out. Cameron was freaking out. He's like, we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, bump that. We got a party. And, um, you know, I got a high pain tolerance and I always have. It's kind of a detriment. That's not something I'm boasting about, but I do. I did not know the seriousness of the gravity of the situation. Cameron was looking at me and he's like, we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, bump that. Give me the bottle. I turned up the bottle of Bacardi and I drank about five or six gulps of it. And I said, I think I can find something inside my mom's boyfriend's uh, single wide trailer. So walked over there, broke into the uh, window, climbed in the window. Uh, he climbed in after me, turned on the bathroom light. And my face is, is several shades of red, pink, and white. And the white, thankfully it wasn't black, not toast, but like white, white, like burned it to the white meat where it went past three or more layers of skin. And my nose in particular, 
And what the crazy thing was is I still had my eyebrows and my eyelashes. It was nuts. But but my forehead, my nose, my cheeks, my cheek, you know, my chin, my lips, all that burnt, burnt, burnt. And my hands, because I was holding the gas tank, uh, my hands were down to the white meat too. And uh, I did some, you know, some trailer park surgery on me. I, you know, I washed my face off and uh, all he had was some Neosporin. So I threw some Neosporin all over my face and boom, we, we go back out. I'm, the alcohol had already taken effect. My girlfriend came over with some friends all dressed up in Halloween attire. And by that time I was buzzing and I, she pulled up and I stuck my head in the window. She turned on the light and I said, boo. And she's like, she screamed and she said, what, what mask are you wearing? Literally. And I said, nothing. I burned my face. And she's like, we got to go to the hospital. I'm like, no. Nah. So anyway, she, she said, let's go. We're leaving. And Cameron was like, yes, we're leaving. I'll stay here and, and let the fire die down. So I remember riding home in, in her car in the passenger seat and I could start to feel the effects of the burn and I was riding with my face out the window and the burn was starting to take effect and it felt like just like when you first burn your finger on a stove or something it was just that real hot sting and uh you know I had drank more alcohol before we left and she was encouraging me to go to the hospital and I was I was you know disagreeing uh I passed out I woke up the next morning and it felt like I had just burned myself, just that hot sting. And that was a Saturday. I went through the whole day Saturday, just like, what am I going to do? And she's like, we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, nah, you know, I'm, I'll just keep it washed. You know, that's dumb. But I wasn't feeling the pain like, I guess, like normal people would. So I didn't think it was, I was minimizing it because of my pain tolerance. And she said, I'm taking you to your mom's. So we went Sunday morning up to Springfield. We drove like 40 minutes all the way up to my mom's house. As soon as we hit the door, my mom about collapsed. And she said, we're going to the hospital. I don't care what you say. So we went to the hospital, this rinky-dink hospital. And we get back to the emergency room. The nurse comes in, this first nurse. I call her the bad nurse. And she's like, she's, she's like, oh, this is, this is really bad. You know, um, this is going to be permanent scarring. Um, you're going to be permanently disfigured. We're going to have to do skin grafts. Um, and we will start working out a plan. Uh, I'm like skin graft, where are they going to take the skin from? And, and she walks out and my girlfriend and my mom are crying. And, and, and at that point I've started crying cause it starting to hit me like, I might look like Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, not like I'm that pretty, but it's it's over for me. I'm I'm in these skin grafts. You know what those people look like? You know they're all they look like uh like you know wax face and stuff. And another nurse come in. I call her the good nurse, and she was all sweet and she was like, "Baby, it's gonna be all right. I've seen worse. This is." This is not third degree burns, so I don't think you're going to need skin grafts. I think there's this stuff that I know is called Silvadine cream, and it's got silver in it. And if you just do what I say, it's going to turn out fine. And I was like, 
crazy. She goes, and here's where the miracle is. She said, it's amazing. She said, you believe in God? And I, you know, at the time I was like, mm, not really. But my mom's like, yes, yes, he does. And she's like, it looks like somebody came up behind you when the gas blew up and put hands over your eyes. She said, this literally could have blinded you. And she said, but you've got your eyebrows and your eyelashes and every bit out of your face is second degree deep burns. And I discounted it. But, you know, I, I, the miracle of that is, is um, I didn't lose my eyesight. Um, anyway, I go home, I get the Silvadine cream. I go home and I start this process six weeks of bandages on my face. You know, four times a day I'd take... I'd wipe this white cream on my face. I'd wrap it up like a mummy, you know, and then then I'd take the bandages off and the cream would turn to yellow uh, from like infection and I'd have to wash it off. Oh my gosh, it hurt so bad, bro. I had to do that for six weeks and I could tell it was healing up really nicely. And um, after the six weeks, I put this stuff called Moderna cream. It's like a, it's for burns and for scars and stuff. And man, when I was done, I had, I had like baby skin. I had the freshest skin and there was not a wrinkle on my face. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in like my late twenties, you know, so I didn't have a lot of wrinkles, but it was like hitting the reset button for my face. So, you know, the miracle is not only did I scathe having to have skin grafts and look like Freddy Krueger, but I didn't lose my eyesight and it convinced that nurse, it, it strengthened her faith, that she saw that God put his hands or had an angel come up behind me at the moment of the explosion and cover my eyes. She's like, I can almost see the handprints, is what she said that day in the emergency room. And, you know, these days, you know, so I, I mean, I'm 44 and people tell me I look like I'm in my early 30s. Some, some students say I look like I'm in my late 20s. And when I see people that I graduated from high school, they're like, golly, dude, you look so young. And I'm like, well, all you got to do is burn your face off and uh, or get one of them California chemical pills. <laughs> all right. So this second miracle story, this divine intervention that happened to me was when I was in the Navy. This is 1999. And I know that because there was a tremendous hurricane that happened that year that affected my life that caused this whole scenario to happen. So 1999, I'm in the Navy, um, stationed in Norfolk, which is just adjacent to Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach was a place where a lot of people like to go vacation. And at this point in time, I was, I was married, uh, my first marriage to my son's mother. And I like to say I wasn't the kind of man I am now. I wasn't very faithful then. And my wife at the time was back in Tennessee visiting her family with my son. So I took advantage of the time and I uh, was hanging out with my boy Andrew and we're down at Virginia Beach and we're, we're down there to, uh, to mix and mingle. And uh, we ran into some girls down there some young girls and uh they were with their family on vacation one of them 
was a friend and you know of the of the girl's family that was on vacation and you know i was i was sweet on her and um you know i got her phone number and you know we had uh you know made made close friendship there um in virginia beach and they lived this family uh with the two girls they lived in west virginia that was the same state that my friend andy was from um now a few weeks later um our ship had to go out to sea because Hurricane Floyd was coming up the East Coast. And um, it, so my ship is out to sea and Hurricane Floyd hit Virginia and ended up all of my stuff. I had a military housing and my house ended up seven feet underwater. And so our ship came back and I saw my house and it was completely flooded. You know, that was the first time I had lost everything in my life. And that, that sucks pretty bad. Um, and so the ship was actually going to go back out again for a scheduled, um, you know, little mission thing. I always did that two weeks in, two weeks out. And um, I got I, I got excused and didn't have to go out to sea. Now, um my son's mother and him, they, they were still, they went back to Tennessee because they didn't have anywhere to stay. She came back to see what the damage was. And then she went back home. So I, I stayed there in order to take care of the affairs of, of, uh, you know, my devastation of the house and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I had some extra time and I got to thinking about that girl that I met in Virginia beach so I, uh, I asked my friend Andy, you know, he, he let me borrow his truck while the ship went out to sea. Cause I, at the time I only had one car. So my son's mother was using that car back in Tennessee. So I borrowed my friend Andy's truck. Now, unbeknownst to Andy, I decided to take that truck of his to West Virginia to see that girl. Now, you know, I should have probably just asked him, but I didn't. Cause I was maybe afraid he was going to say no. So I, I did it anyway. So I called the girl and I said, uh, I'm going to drive up there to West Virginia to come and see you. I'm going to get a hotel room. And she's like, Oh, that sounds good. So I drove like eight hours to go and see this girl. It's kind of stupid, right? There's plenty of girls in Virginia beach, but, um, I already, you know, I guess I had this on lock. So drove all the way up there. Um, and I picked her up at her granny's house, um, and I took her to a hotel room. And that night, there was this terrible, terrible thunderstorm, like, all night long. And it was pouring down, you know, like cats and dogs, and lightning and thunder and all this. And, you know, part of me was like God was angry at what I was doing, you know, in, in retrospect, in hindsight. Uh, but, um, you know... You could tell what happened probably that night. Uh, I drove eight hours, met a girl, got a hotel room, okay? The next morning, the storm had cleared. It was sunny. Now, I took this girl back to her friend's house, not to her granny's house. So it was a different place. And her friends were, uh, her, 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 her friend's family was rich. So we're having to drive off in this country road. And West Virginia is really mountainous area. So the roads were still slick from the thunderstorm and I'm driving on this mountain 
top road, this single lane, freshly black top road. It was slick. My friend's truck was a single cab S10 Chevy pickup truck, little, little small truck. I could barely fit in six foot three. I'm like in a, in a tin can in this, this tuna can trying to fit in this truck. Well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling real good at the time. I, I drop her off and, uh, I'm feeling like, you know, like, you know, it's summertime and you're in a convertible and you got a fresh haircut and your car's clean and you're riding slow and everybody's looking at you. You know, I'm feeling like that good, feeling awesome. Had no radio on. I'm just driving by myself, going to drive back to Virginia and going to handle some business with this, with this flood, this hurricane that happened. But I'm not really thinking about nothing except for what happened the night before. Like I said, the radio's off. I got the window down. It's sunny skies. I'm feeling good. Then, uh, and I'm going, I don't know, 30 or 40 miles an hour. You know, I'm in control. Now, at the time, I did not wear a seatbelt. You know, this is, this is before 2000. So it's, it was not a big deal. And I'm in this little tiny truck anyway. I'm like, what's going to happen? Wasn't thinking about anything. I'm driving around and these, these curvy roads are like 90 degree turns back and forth. And I'm up against this mountain face, you know, with grass and trees and stuff. And, and, uh, all of a sudden I hear this voice and it sounds like it's coming from the passenger side of the vehicle. And this voice, which sounded, it, it sounded, it didn't sound masculine or feminine. It didn't sound like it was alerting me. It sounded calm, but it sounded uh, authoritative, like do what I say. And it said, put your seatbelt on now. And aloud out of my, my mouth, I said, okay. Like I, I was literally answering somebody in my passenger seat. I didn't really even think about it. I put my seatbelt on and then I rounded this curve, another 90 degree turn and the back of this truck lost control. I tried to hit the brakes and it just would not stop. I'm going 40 miles an hour right into another 90 degree left-hand turn, but the truck won't stop and it won't slow down and I can't do anything. And I ran right into that mountain face and it was, it was such a jarring hit. Um, it took me a few minutes. I didn't lose consciousness, but the, the seatbelt is what I felt the most. Um, it, it really hurt. I felt the seatbelt across my lap and across my chest and across my, my stomach. Um, I unbuckled the seatbelt and I could see steam coming out of the hood. I get out of the, the truck and I notice that it's not the same footing, you know, uh, the cab of the truck was actually sitting on the ground. Uh, this truck had, had done, done a 45 degree angle in the middle of it. And where I was sitting at, where I was sitting was on the ground. That's how hard of a hit it was. Um, and also I had still, my, my body had broken the steering wheel of that truck. Um, it was, it was that hard. I mean, just, just maybe 40 miles an hour. I got out of the truck and, and I noticed like, oh my gosh, um, I could have just died here. If I had not had my seatbelt on, I would have been ejected out of the windshield 
and and I'm in like the middle of nowhere. Like I said, where I dropped this girl off was this remote country area in West Virginia. You know, I'd driven miles on this road and I didn't see a car, you know, on the single lane road. I was by myself. And that's when I started reflecting like, what the heck was that voice? What just happened to me? Like, I know I heard something. It wasn't inside my head. It was somebody sitting right beside me that told me, put your seatbelt on now. And y'all, I can still recall the sound of that voice. If it wasn't God, it was an angel, a messenger. That's, that's the meaning of angel. It's a messenger from God. That messenger sent to save my life that day while I was committing adultery. Isn't that crazy? That the God that loved me that much that in my sin decided to send a messenger to save my life that day. That's crazy. You know, I, I had to walk all the way back with this limp all the way back to this house where I dropped the girl off, told her what happened. And they took me into town. Um, and I called my friend Andy and I'm like, yo man, this is what happened. And he's like, man, I can't believe you did that. You wrecked my truck and you took it to West Virginia. I'm like, yeah. And so he, he basically took care of everything, had the truck towed. Um, those people were nice enough to pay for a Greyhound bus and I rode all the way back to Virginia and, and that's, that's the end of that story. Um, you would have thought that that would have changed my life. Like that kind of a miracle that happened to me would have caused me to, to turn in the direction I was going, the bad ways I was going and go towards God. You know, that's, that's what they call repentance but I didn't, you know, I actually made some promises to God as I was walking back, you know, all banged up, but I didn't keep those promises. And, you know, I'm, I, I can't, can't tell you what my life would look like if I had to change my life at that point in time. But I mean, I was black and blue. I had a steering, I mean, a, a, a seatbelt mark across my body, black and blue for weeks. Um, and so let me tell you, you know, a miracle, it's a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by nature or science and considered to be the work of God. And in those two stories that I told you, I believe God gave me a miracle in keeping my face so that I could still be a useful tool in ministry and not be a scary Freddy Krueger face and kept my eyes so I could see and, and he kept my life to be used for his purposes that day in West Virginia. God performs miracles to strengthen faith and to accomplish good. And it's not the good that I have done in ministry in my life, but the good that God has done through me. So if I wasn't here, he could still accomplish his good. He don't need me. He don't need you to do ministry or all that. He'll get his stuff done regardless. I'm just I'm just grateful enough and, and with joy and thanksgiving enough to be here to be able to do that and to turn my life around. I don't know where I would have ended up if I'd have died that day in West Virginia. As far as my eternity goes, I, I was not living for God. I was not surrendered to Jesus. I was not a child of his. I was my own Lord. 
Psalm 77, 14 says, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. And God is a God of miracles. When things happen outside of science, inexplicable by nature, that's a miracle. And I've seen them happen in my lives many more times than those two stories. But those are the two most powerful stories that I can think of. And I hope they strengthen your faith and let you know that God is not just some imaginary thing. He speaks to those that he loves and he knows that he has a plan for. He loves you. I hope you guys like this episode. I hope that you will share it and you will uh, copy like this on your social media. Spread the news. Sorry that I was gone for so long. You know, it was the holidays. Happy New Year 2024. Love you.